macro head with a micro brain. That's a famous quote from episode nine of Star Trek The Next Generation. Hide and Q. This is Trek Trudge. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 9 of Trek Trudge. My name is Byron Hussey, I'm the host, I'm joined by James Sheaves. Hey, what's up? And Gumba Master. Gumba Master. Hello, all together? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hello, all together. No matter what time it is. Yeah, so this is our... Uh, second attempt at recording this i we we started and i realized i forgot to record any of it there's some real gold in there we no there isn't but then it just turned out to be a a private conversation we were having so not relevant you 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 really missed an opportunity uh uh with this um second attempt you could have introduced me uh in, in a way that incorporates my favorite quote from the episode because see the name James rhymes with the word games. James? And my favorite quote from this episode is when Q says, Games? Did someone say games? Should I, uh, should I do it again? Yeah. Um, I mean, it, okay. It, it's entirely up to you. James? Chiefs. Did someone say James? I think they Chiefs. did. He didn't let me finish. Oh, I'm sorry. There's a context. We need to do a fourth attempt. Clue. Yeah. J- no, never mind. Let's just keep moving. Um, Gumba, do you want me to do anything special with your name? No. I think my name is special enough. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Those aren't muskets. It's another famous quote. That's the one I originally opened with. Uh, but I mixed it up. So yeah, this is the ninth episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. It aired on the 23rd of November, 1987. So that's actually right around now. But, um... That's, uh, what? Like, uh, 30 years ago? 29 years ago? Yeah. What's so funny? What is that noise? Is that a dog? <laughs> so this this episode is is famous for Wesley Crusher being impaled by a bayonet. Penetrated is the word that I would use. Penetrated through the abdomen. Penetrated, yeah. But not. He's violated, you know. But like, just like. It's not in, like, a sexual way. Well, if you say so. I do. I do say so. He's just a boy. Um, is... Uh, I'm not, uh, I'm not familiar. Is Tasha Yar still a part of the show? Oh, boy, is she. Yeah. Particularly in this episode. Yeah, she's a, a prominent uh, player. 
um, for sort of uh, behind the scenes reasons. So not not particularly like script relevant reasons, but I understand that Marina Sirtis wasn't available for this episode, so they had to kind of hastily write uh, Councillor uh, Troy's character out. Yeah. And so uh, Tasha has to pretty much take on all of her lines. Oh. Yeah, and they're not particularly uh, Tasha-esque lines either. They're I mean, not pretty good either. I don't actually remember what they are, so maybe they are. <laughs> she she um, has a little bit to do in this episode, which I found uh, odd, but we'll get to that. Okay. Another good quote from this episode. Hey, Wes. You, you know, it, it, not it's, it's, not it's, bad. <laughs> not bad, Wes. Not bad. Yeah. But it's funny, you know, because uh, I, I did read once that... Uh, that uh, that she originally auditioned for for the yeah, role of Diana right. Troy. Hmm. Yeah, because um, uh, of course Marina Sirtis looks a lot more like uh, who the character of Someone who cares. Tasha was meant to be based on. Who was? Um, did you did you say who it was? It's the the Marine from Aliens. Um, I forget her name. Oh, Scarce, I, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah so. Um, yeah, she she kind of looks like that lady, but mm-hmm. uh, they ended up switching it up for whatever reason. It's a good thing they did, because, um, you know, she uh, she left the show. I don't think that was her choice, was it? Pretty sure it was. Actually, it wasn't. Yeah, if, I think um, the story goes, she didn't think that the new series would go, go very, very far. A decision that she later uh, came to regret, I think, uh, which is huh. which is uh, why she later appeared in a yeah. in a, one of those alternate universe time travel episodes. Yeah. that and that was my I, impression was that she she still kind of had an interest in being on the show and that's why they made those subsequent roles for her but I don't know I guess I don't I didn't know the story there I mean I'm sure you can put a uh, dollar value on the time that she would have been on the rest of the the series I'm sure that's why she actually regrets it I mean she probably walked away from like many millions of dollars like what did she do otherwise? I mean, Nothing. like is Michael Dorn like a millionaire now? Like, yes. I'm, I'm not sure these people are like. They're millionaires. Yes. They're m- m- millionaires m- many times over. They oh. get residuals from um, syndication. Also, also uh, since you since you mentioned it, uh, you mentioned the aliens connection. Uh, I checked uh, I checked uh, up the the actress who played West Cass. In mm-hmm. Aliens, yeah, and, Jeanette uh, Goldstein. Yeah, she did. She did uh, have a role in uh, the in the first in the first uh, Next Generation movie. Yeah, I see. She as was US, as USS Enterprise science officer. Mm-hmm. I don't Which... recall her. Yeah, in that role. She was also in Titanic. As Irish mother. As Irish mother, yes. 
and so almost as though we're we're all looking on the same Wikipedia page right no, now. No, I I didn't look her yeah. up, but I remembered her from Titanic. She was also as in the Irish uh, mother. Yes. You have a very good memory. She was also in Terminator Two, as John Connor's. Um, yeah, foster mother. Foster mother. Yeah, she's the one that impales. Um, his foster through father the through the mouth and then through the milk carton with his blade I arm. I love that movie. Yeah. So Hide and Q is a uh, a Q episode. Is this the second Q episode? Yeah, it's only the second episode, and this is the episode where we kind of get the first uh, like cosmic trickster Q. Mm-hmm. Which, argue, like, I would. Think, like if Wesley didn't get stabbed in this episode, then that would be what the episode is known for, because like kind of this is the cue that we know and love. You know, he's like yeah. hamming it up all over the place and and making jokes and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, we love him because it's not us he plays the tricks on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So the premise here is that. Uh, the uh, Enterprise is um, heading towards like an emergency problem of some kind. Mm. <laughs> some sort of emergency, urgent there's a, situation. There's a, like a some kind of crisis. Crises. Yeah. It's they're trying to go really fast. They're like going warp nine. Gotta go fast. And then, uh, yeah. I like how it's it's crisis enough to go like warp nine, but not crisis enough to go like maximum warp. No, well, it's just isn't like warp it's a nine max? Um, well, they're going warp nine point one. I think they can go like nine point five or nine point eight or something. Isn't it dangerous? Well, well maybe. Uh, I think in the universe, the explanation is that is that. Uh, it damages the warp core. Right. You want to you uh, want to so mess up do that that. Uh, that cherry warp core. So. So yeah. Q interrupts. So, so you could say they're they're at maximum speed within within uh, safe uh, safe limits. Yeah. So Q throws up a big net, a Q net. It does that appear in every Q episode or is this the last time? No, this is the this is the last one because it was actually just stock footage from the f- encounter at Farpoint. Yeah, I could tell. Those uh, space grids looked identical to the last <laughs> space grids. <laughs> it's not a particularly compelling visual device, I don't think. No. I mean, you could explain it the way that Q... Just wanted uh, wanted the crew to know who was t- was uh, messing with them. Uh, mm-hmm. I I don't. Oh, I see. Yeah. Um, Leave a little signature. I guess. Yeah, it's unnecessary because you think he could just cause, like like he could stop the ship with his Q powers without putting a big net up. So yeah, you're right. Or he, just, or he could just come aboard. Yeah. Or teleported. She does more or less. Just has to kind of announce his arrival. So, Q 
wants to we don't learn this right away but ultimately the whole point of this is that q wants to recruit Riker of all people into the q continuum and there's a bit of misdirection employed in the writing which um like upon watching this episode a dozen times i can sort of kind of dig it but when you're just watching the episode for the first time it just kind of makes it seem like it's sloppily constructed i Mm -hmm. think because the you know the the apparent conceit is that oh the crew's going to be tested in a game mm-hmm. and so you you all all your mental energy is going to oh how are they going to beat the game and all this and then it turns out to not really matter right yeah the game was always kind of what was even the point of the game was Riker supposed well, to win the game yeah yeah see like the I mean, it was misdirection. It's the game wasn't really. Uh, the, oh, we'll test the crew's ingenuity and all that. The game was to see how Riker reacted to um, to gaining the powers of That's the right. Q. Yeah. So the game in question was um, basically everybody on the who happened to be on the bridge was teleported to an an alien planet. Mm-hmm. Is that worth is it necessary to say an alien planet in Star Trek? Are they all alien planets? I mean, no actually, I think it's it's it would be more more necessary to point out when they're actually on Earth. Yeah. I could which, just say some planet. Which is the rare exception? And of course, it, it really is like an unidentified planet because it doesn't. It seems to just kind of be one of those made-up places that you can make. Yeah, it's not even a real planet. Made-up places that uh, to the to the places made up by the story writers. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's a he's a screenwriter within a screenplay. So I, actually, I go back and say I think Alien Planet is appropriate because it's like the planet itself is alien from the universe or something. <laughs> I'm going to submit this this section to the podcast awards. This is going oh, to be good. in the the highlight reel that I sent. For your consideration. Yes. So, who, who all told ends up on the um, planet? It's uh, Riker, Data, LaForge, Tasha, and Worf. And Worf. And um, funnily enough, he 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 didn't uh, pluck um, Councillor Troy off of whatever planet that they left her on for this episode. He just. Uh, Went went with whoever was physically on the bridge, which seems yeah. kind of out of character for Q. But hey, if if the script requires it. But why would why would um, Troy be important for this test? Is there going to be like a uh, a sexual component? Well, <laughs> <laughs> well uh, Riker and Troy did have a romantic history. With That's each what other. I was saying. Yeah, I'm not saying. 
like that's all Troy is good for. I'm just saying with regard to Riker, it's just, it's, since they it, had history. Well, it's not... Uh, yeah, but it's all that the scriptwriter seems to care about. Yeah. In later episodes. Ah. <laughs> so, and what is Q yeah. dressed up as? He's he's dressed as the only thing that outranks a general, a marshal, oh. a French marshal. Is that um, is that true in in uh, all armies? Well, I mean, like, no, because like there are, there are different ranks in different armies, obviously. But um, in the French army, I believe the marshal was. Uh, uh, look, I'm I'm not uh, informed on this topic, but I think they were like one step down from like the the emperor. Okay. What about yeah, ISIS? Yeah, Does like ISIS a, have a the same uh, military? Um, yes, I believe ISIS has has grand marshals. <laughs> Great, grand marshal of ISIS. Grand marshal of ISIS. <laughs> there. Yeah. Fancy ISIS regalia, mm -hmm. tassels and plumes. They they love the tassels. Epaulets. <laughs> any any other uh, uh, tricorns. Tricorns. Um. So, Q lays out the rules to this uh, this game. Oh, he he leaves um, Picard on the uh, on the bridge, right? Yeah, on the bridge. All alone? Yep, because he's being uh, uh, maligned from this from this exercise. He doesn't want uh, Picard's, like, um, captain instincts ruining or tainting the test. Yeah, the, like, the in-script reason that's given is that um, he's, he's uh, decided from his previous interaction with Picard that he's too rigid and bound by military codes and all that mm -hmm. and so he, he's trying out Riker instead but there is um, uh, an extended canon uh, explanation that you could potentially accept that um, uh, the, the Q continuum uh, had instructed Q to, to, to test Picard not Riker with with giving Picard the powers, but Q himself had decided for you know, like I guess out of concern that that um, Picard could somehow best him again, like he did at Farpoint. Um, so he he just decides on his own to not uh, obey their instructions and instead uh, do it to Riker instead. Is it possible that he had a little little bit of a thing for uh, for Riker? Hey, maybe. And in fact, in my notes, um, I uh, one of the first times I watched this episode, I um, uh, noted that it, it seemed very much like he was kind of pursuing the younger model. Yeah. It's a good one. Good note. Maybe he just tried to make uh, Picard jealous. Mm-hmm. Mm. Are these... Sorted games we play. G games? 
Did someone say games? Of the heart? Okay. Um, so... The, the, uh... The game is that there are a bunch of, um, aliens that... Yeah, even, like pig guys. So, this is a problem I have with this episode, is that everybody's sort of, is, is really quick to talk about how, um, ugly these aliens <laughs> are. It, like, but, like, is that not really politically incorrect in hey, Star Hey, to be fair, they Star do look Fleet. a bit silly. Well, they look silly, but I mean, like, only because they're wearing those uniforms, they, aren't there lots of, like, strange-looking aliens in Starfleet? It's Are you, true. Do they get made fun of for, like, being the uglier I, aliens? I feel like uh, uh, Riker is always kind of incongruously... Uh, Never been one for political correctness, really. But there are, like, don't they all say he's it? He's from this like post-feminist, you know, post-capitalist society, and he spends every episode flirting with the new alien lady that comes aboard. Yeah. Doesn't um like LaForge? Wait, no, he's blind. I was gonna say, doesn't LaForge like say they're ugly? I guess he can see mm -hmm. through his visor. Yeah, but I can't I, recall I, anyone saying. Okay, just making this up. So the uh, Q um, makes all these uh, like ugly pigmen aliens appear, and they're uh, they're dressed in various. Are they all dressed in French? Uh, yeah, army uniforms. You skipped a bit though. Oh, sorry. Before uh, we see the aliens, um, he puts uh, Tasha in the penalty box. That's right. And it's it seems to be kind of more set up for this game that oh we're going to spend the episode solving this game. How's the crew going to get through it? But it's it's all misdirection. And so uh, she's in the penalty box, and if anyone else gets hit with a penalty, then she will, uh, you know, vanish into oblivion by being okay. forced out of the penalty box because there can only be one. What does she do to warrant the penalty box treatment? She says, you've gone too far this time. <laughs> she d he didn't go far last, last time? Hmm... Um, I think he's yeah, gone. didn't he literally murder some of the crew last time with those machine gun guys from the 21st century? I th Yeah, I think so. I think he went less far this time. Mm. Yeah, he doesn't kill anyone this time. Yeah, he should have killed someone. Um, and uh, so, yeah, sh the, the penalty box is back on the bridge with Captain Picard. And uh, we we get a little bit of uh, kind of flirtation happening between the two of them, which I yeah, thought was very weird. Yeah, that was weird. And also just, like, not Denise Crosby's, like, best performance that I've seen. It was sort of stilted. There's there's a lot of kind of stilted acting 
in this episode, but uh, that was one bit that, that stood out. She's, like, um, in tears because she's, you know, worried for, well, you know, her, her existence, and, and she, she says, what the hell am I doing? Crying? <laughs> yeah. And Picard's like, well, you're just a hysterical woman. You can't help it. That's a line, right, from the episode? Hmm. No. I recalled it a little differently to that, but... That was the implication, though. Do you think I'm just being sexist now? Of course. Um... <laughs> yeah, take it all back. Denise Crosby, is she related to... Yes. Crosby? She She's like his, his uh, niece, I think. Doesn't he have a uh, drinking problem? Gee, I wouldn't know. Denise Crosby. I think he didn't get like a new liver. <laughs> Are you suggesting that she give him her liver? No. I'm just trying to add some color, but I don't really have the the actual information. So it's it's not going anywhere. Uh huh. She's uh. Okay. Let Let's move on. So All right. so Denise Crosby, aka Tasha Yar, gets put into the penalty box, and then what? And then she. Uh cries and observes that she is crying mm -hmm. which is fair enough you know if you're faced with like an existential threat I'd, I'd probably do a bit of crying as well I don't think that's particularly hysterical okay and then we're we're back down on the on the planet with La Marseillaise oh god I never know how to pronounce that the the French mayonnaise. national anthem yeah the mayonnaise the mayonnaise um uh playing as the as the Hog aliens um, start marching. Just say the French. You wanna? Yeah. You know the, you wanna. Those piggy Frenchmen. Yeah. Just Frenchmen is enough. By the way, another uh, fun fact about Denise Crosby: she mm -hmm. had a photo spread in. A 1979 issue of Playboy magazine. Uh huh. <laughs> for a second, for a second, I I was expecting you to say that she, that she had her, her photo spread on a on a laptop. <laughs> what? Making it a Crosby top. Oh, God, that's that's really that's, that's terrible. Terrible. <laughs> I might, I might actually try to find this moment and cut it out, of, cut it out of the podcast. <laughs> I might, I might go to that trouble. It's very harsh. It's at twenty-seven so, minutes. So, so, this is what it took for you to, uh, to apply quality control. <laughs> this is what it took. Yes. 
All the all the other shit we did that that didn't, you didn't cut out. Well, the the, the Crosby top. That that joke doesn't mean anything if anybody listening to this doesn't read Homestuck, and there's no connection between Homestuck and Star Trek. Zero. Well, got some connection. Zero. Besides, that some some stunt double might have been a stunt double for one of the trolls or something. <laughs> That's true. The Crosby family. That's a that's a section. Oh, she's related to Bing Crosby. Oh, were you thinking? Who were you thinking? I was thinking, um, like Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. I have no idea what that is. A music music uh, thing. A music no, yeah, music band. It's Bing. Yeah. No, I, I'm, on, I'm, on, I'm on the same page now. Good to hear. Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. So, um, what happened after the penalty, bo- penalty box scene? Um, we... Uh, Q appears on the bridge, and he he basically just immediately ends the penalty. David Crosby. All right. That's the one. That's the one I was thinking of. Is he another member of the extended Crosby family? Um, I don't know. <laughs> just doesn't say. Well, at least we've uh, raised the question. So the penalty is over. Penalty's over, and um, uh, Q has some more great lines with Picard. I actually really like most of John Delancey in in this episode. Like, I think he's like really nailed the kind of the campiness and the just kind of like exuberant villainy. Um, and he he uh, bets that um, uh, that Riker will. Um, not be able to refuse uh, the offer that uh, he he poses to him, and that uh, if Q wins the bet, he gets to command the Enterprise, and if he loses the bet, then he'll stay out of humanity's way forever. Hmm. Which he reneges on. Well, you know. I mean, like for his steadfast will, is he? Yeah. where one of the other things that bothers me in this episode is, is there's a lot of like kind of haphazard eighth grade Shakespeare quoting mm-hmm. like you know all, all the galaxies a stage and uh, you know the plays the thing and they just kind of throw all these lines around for some reason I, I, I don't really get why I guess maybe it was just like a thing that the writer of this episode had yeah oh Maybe the writers were still trying to, you know, uh, what's what's the term? Find their legs, or mm. something like that. You know, getting into the groove. Just by like putting Shakespeare in. Yeah, the writer was C.J. Holland. See, I don't mind um, if you put 
Shakespearean, but I feel like it has to be like kind of integral to what you're trying to do. Otherwise, it just kind of like looks like you're just kind of like showing off how many books you've read. Oh, look, I can cite this line. And oh, remember when Hamlet said that? Yeah. No. And yeah, no, it, no, it, no, I agree. It doesn't feel particularly integral to the episode for me. It's a little, uh, little pretentious. And particularly because um, uh, when Picard says his line, he says Hamlet's soliloquy, which Hamlet is saying sarcastically about how, how great man is, because, of course, Hamlet is, you know, well, he's a little misanthropic, so he doesn't mm-hmm. really have such a high opinion of of man. And um, Picard says uh, that uh, what he said with, uh, with, with irony or... Well, like what he said sarcastically, I say with conviction, what a piece of work is man, how noble in reason, how infinite in faculty, in form, in moving, how express and admirable in action, how like an angel in apprehension, how like a god. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I think the fact that he's kind of deliberately misinterpreting a line of Shakespeare kind of negates, well, why would you have that line in the first place if you're not going to interpret it? But but he says that he's misinterpreting it right in the episode he does yeah he makes it explicit but it just like makes the makes it like even more obvious that oh we're just putting some shakespeare in here to make it sound a little more you know shakespeare yeah shakespeare although i should say that um uh that line is sort of integral to the theme of the episode but you probably don't really get just watching at one time that um, uh, Q is kind of, he's playing the long game with humanity and he thinks that humanity one day will evolve to be kind of like cosmic beings like him, like right. on the level of gods. Yeah. So it makes sense for Picard in that sense to be saying, you know, in apprehension how like a god is man. Do you think that um, the show... Or, like, the story of Star Trek in general agrees with Q? Like, do you think that's ultimately where humanity is destined to go? In terms of the, the, the arc of the show? Yeah. I think so long as they keep writing shows, they kind of have to keep it grounded so they can't make it just this kind of, you know, post-corporeal, you know, series about, like energy beings but i mean like i i didn't necessarily mean like would they make that show although that was gonna be where i went ultimately (laughs) but like do do you think that that that's canon that prediction like do you think that that's ultimately what humanity is destined to become i think yeah here and there there's probably like suggestions that humanity is supposed to kind of end up you know being on on the level of like a q like being well i guess like in star trek uh different species on different planets ultimately all become more or less like human beings sort of bi- yeah. bipedal um sentient kind of and sapient liberal democratic you know, yeah. secular humanists. Secular human, secular humanists. 
Yeah. <laughs> actually, actually, that comes up in a later episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, we know about that one. Well, yeah, there was, the, the, the galaxy was sort of seeded with life by a, a, an, an ancient alien species, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, but the point I was I was I was trying to make is like so there are so there's some inevitable inevitability of this the current state of humanity and other alien species and then I guess is the implication that there is also an inevitability of the Q kind of state of evolution of a species as well. Yeah, I mean, like, so, like the genre of sci-fi at the time w- was all about that, wasn't it? It was like I think it's uh, is it like Dyson stages or Freeman stages or something? There's something about like stages of of like uh, in- intelligent uh, life where you would have like well, they're just crawling around on the planet, like, say, dinosaurs, and then they're making tools and establishing civilizations, then they go intergalactic, and then they, like, evolve beyond their corporeal forms. And that's, uh, like, the, I, the I, uh, final stage. Kardashev yeah, I, I, scale? Isn't, isn't, that, isn't that something like Kardashev. how much energy of a, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a sun you can harness? Yeah, the Kardashev, yeah. Kardashev scale. Yeah, that... That would probably be what I'm thinking of. Yeah, type type one civilization, type two civilization. Bingo. Type one civilization, planetary civilization can use the store energy, use and store energy which reaches its planet from neighboring star. Type two, harness the total energy of its planet's parent star using a Dyson sphere. That's where you got the Dyson. Yeah, I knew he was in there somewhere. Type 3 can control energy on the scale of the entire galaxy. Nice. But, um... In, uh... That's a bit of a leap, isn't it? From type 2 to type... <laughs> Could you guys hear hear me uh, clear my throat there? Yep. I turned the microphone volume down. Yeah. Yes. Quite audible. Must just be a very sensible, not sensible, sensitive microphone. Maybe um I don't know. <laughs> I don't I don't think it's I don't think it recorded. All right. Whenever when I do that, I I turn down the recording. I just I I can't I can't stop. I I think I'm getting a cold. <clears throat> You're making me want to clear my throat. Okay, sorry. Um, what were you talking about, Star Trek? Yeah, we were. Um. Uh, you still want to talk about Dyson Spheres, or do we want to get back to the episode? Why don't we get back to the episode? So, um, uh, they they finish their, you know, showing off how much Shakespeare they can quote at each other, then Q literally throws the 
the collected works of Shakespeare at Picard and disappears. Then we go back down to the planet and the pigs again. Wait, he throws um, the whole collected works? Yeah, he's got the collected works in a volume, and he chucks it at Picard. Was it was it uh, Picard's book? book? Yes. Or would, did he conjure yes. it out of Q particles? I think it's Picard's. Like Picard has that sort of stuff lying around, like Moby Dick and stuff. Yeah. Pretty boring. Pretty boring. <laughs> He's what was the adjective that Q used to describe musty or yeah stodgy? I think it was stodgy, stodgy. musty old Picard, reading his old stodgy old musty old books. There's been there's pr- there probably have been a lot of better books written between like now and the twenty fourth century that he could have. Maybe. He could he could read uh, Homestuck three. Yeah, Homestuck three, which is the best of the Homestuck trilogy, and longest. Until they had that that weird prequel trilogy directed by J J Abrams. <laughs> That'd be nice. <laughs> um, so I guess we're getting up to the part where people start getting stabbed. Mm-hmm. The first one to go is, of course, Worf, because you got to have the Worf effect. What is the Worf effect? The Worf effect is where you show how powerful uh, the enemies that you're facing this week are by having them immediately take down the most powerful member of your crew. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And this always happens to poor Worf. So he gets stabbed in the crotch, I believe. <laughs> And yeah, that's it for him. And then um, Wesley decides to run over and I don't know, like help or something. And and he promptly gets impaled in a you know, frankly I think highly sexualized scene. But you know, whatever. It was probably just because I had a crush on Wesley when I first watched this sh- show. He's pretty uh, pretty handsome. Did you like? Were you more attracted to his um, his personality or his his looks and think, his body? I think I was attracted to his uh, form-fitting uniforms. Was the like? Do you think the the personality would have been a match too, or was it strictly well, physical? I mean, he's sort of a goody two shoes, isn't he? Yeah, but like you could turn him bad, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I guess that's the plan. You guys could sneak into the the um the boys' room and smoke. Yeah, that's the sort of thing that he uh, that Will Wheaton would have gotten up to in that Stephen King movie. Yeah. Um, Pet Cemetery. Yeah, that's that's the that's the one. Oh, you mean you mean thinner? Thinner. Thinner. That's a Stephen oh, that King a, movie. That's yeah. another one, right? Hmm. No, probably not that one. Uh, Gumba, have you ever seen any Stephen King movies? I've seen it. I've, eight. I, I've never seen it. Like it. Oh, it. It. I like Misery. I think Misery might be the only one I've seen. Misery is pretty good. 
didn't you see Stand By Me? Oh, oh yeah, I did. Right, of course. But, I mean, that's... I think I've seen most of that one where Alice Krieger plays an alien. What about um, the Tommyknockers? That might be that. What's the Tommyknockers about? I forget. Uh, green slime in a in a forest taking green slime control in a forest. of a city. Taking well, taking control of uh, of uh, village. No. Village, a village. Making their eyes glow green. Yeah, that's the time I could. Nice. Okay, so I so... did. See, I did see, uh, what's the word? Uh, uh, Langoliers. Yeah, the Langoliers. That has, I think, ha it has um, Balky Bartakamus in it. Am I wrong? I, do, I don't know what you said. <laughs> let's, so just, just let's move on. Staying let's just silent in the hope that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the film was Sleepwalkers that I was thinking of, by the way. Is that the um, plays a... cat people? I yeah, I thought she was an alien, but it seems they're actually like vampires or something. Cat cat vampires, right? Weir cats. Weir yeah. cats. There's a word for weir cats in the Dungeons and Dragons Monstrous Manual. But uh, it's, it's not now. weir cats. Um looking through the weir cat article on Wikipedia. Mm, it is weird cat. Doesn't seem to Oh, it says where tigers are featured in Dungeons and Dragons. Weird cats are mysterious shapeshifters given to a vanity given to vanity and fickle moods. Fickle so it's sort mood. of like the cat from Red Dwarf. <laughs> You know, I hear um, uh, Philip's real into Red Dwarf. You could do a podcast on that with him. Philip um, J. J. Reed. Yeah. Yeah. He's a cool dude. Mm -hmm. He also is really into Small Wonder. I didn't know that. I actually don't think he's really into it. He just mentioned All it right to me then. once. Actually, I think he said I was brave to do a podcast about it. So that probably means the opposite, that he doesn't doesn't care for it. Hmm. But I mean, like, nobody really does. No, Nobody really wants to do a podcast about Small Wonder? Nobody really wants to watch Small Wonder. Oh, everybody wants okay. to podcast about it, though. I think. Probably. Yeah. Um, well, okay, where, well, where are we? So. Where are we in the episode? Um, so people stab, that's no good. Then what happens? Um, that's right. That's oh, right. We were talking, I thought we were outlining a very specific sexual fantasy about, um, what's his name? Uh, about Will Wolf. Wheaton. Will Wheaton. Right. About. Were we about off Will. that? Were we done with that? Um, I mean, I'd probably said all there is to say on that subject like he gets a stick through him okay mm -hmm. 
like the image, you know, just yeah. kind of sells itself. And that was so that's like a fan favorite movement because all of the diehard trekkers circa 1987 really hated um mm-hmm. i forget his name again will wheaton <laughs> wesley crusher i think they just liked the character more than the more than the performer yeah no i th- i think there was like uh it was making star trek like a kids kids show or something that's like mm-hmm. the, the, the popular sentiment um yeah like in in terms of just like how the how the like impaling is portrayed it's like unusually violent for star trek yeah and so it's very it's like very shocking to just kind of see it just happen and it's it's like kind of funny as a well it like it is funny because it's like this like incongruously you know graphic like you know disembowelment of a of a child <laughs> yeah you're really selling this... it uh and and like the the fact that it's kind of just the the makeup department just like puts the the thing in him so you, the camera just kind of pans down and it's there it just kind of i guess adds to the ridiculousness of it yeah yeah the memory alpha has a uh a big high resolution screenshot still of the moment. So you can savor the moment. Yeah. Wisley gets the point. That's the quote. Ba-dum. Stick around. It's like that scene in Predator when Arnold Schwarzenegger throws a knife into a guy and he's like, stick around. Remember? I don't get it, Arnold. Because the knife like impaled him all the way through, and he stuck to the the wall. Oh, that's very funny. It is funny. That guy probably had a family. So much violence, so much cruelty. That that uh, jungle drug lord guy. So um, Wesley is impaled. Then, um, um, at this point, I think, uh, Riker learns that, uh, or no, Q must have already told him that, uh, he has the power to do something about all of this. So he, uh, launches up a, now hang on, did that happen yet? Doesn't matter. Does it? Does it matter? Oh, I think um, we we skipped some bits where like they go back and forth with the ship and the planet, but like oh, who cares? Um, yeah, so Riker knows that he has the the power of the Q, and he uses it to make the force field that we saw from the start of the episode to block the the Hogman off. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's kind of like a pre-ad break, uh, like shocking moment. Um, where the music like comes to a crescendo and and Picard goes, that, you you did that, <laughs> and then he you did that everyone, and we all go back to the ship. Mm-hmm. 
So Riker gets Q powers. Yeah. And they immediately go to his head. Yeah, see... He fails the test. Probably the main thing. I think I've mentioned a lot of things that bother me about this episode, but this is this is the main one that I'm saying now, is that absolute power corrupts absolutely, apparently within the space of one ad break. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, he was he originally hesitant to use the powers, and then he was like, I'm going to completely start transforming people's lives against their will and they'll like it because I'm a god now. And furthermore, just generally kind of act like a jerk. Yeah. Like, you know, call the captain by his first name and just kind of look smug and like, oh, (laughs) I'm I'm omnipotent. I I don't know. I mean, doesn't Riker always have that smug grin on his face? Yeah. That's fair. Well, I feel like there's a there's a different uh, edge to it now. Yeah. So Riker um, starts granting a bunch of wishes, right? Is this is it too I'm soon for this? That yet. We're not there yet. Okay. Because um, um, first they have to go to the planet, don't they? Yeah, the mining colony. Oh. And mm-hmm. uh, Riker promises Picard before they go that he won't use the the Q powers for some reason. I don't know why he would promise that, but he does. And so then they go down to the planet, and immediately they find a dead girl buried under a bunch of rocks. Mm-hmm. And, oh, well, uh, Mr... Will Riker's word is his bond, and he can't he can't save this this poor girl because he promised Captain Picard, and he, and he can't ever break a promise because that's mm-hmm. just the kind of man that he is. Very very like season one style writing happening he, here, I think. Yeah. Which is a bit uh, actually a, a a douchey thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, like if it were a um, member of the uh, the the A team uh, uh, Enterprise crew, they would have brought her back like right away. Like if that were Jordy, he did. He brought back Wolf yeah. and Wesley right away. <laughs> we can, we can only up. bring back important people, not some random right. little girl. Yeah. Um, they bring this up, and the excuse that uh, Picard comes up with is, well, let us keep in mind, number one, that uh, uh, the, the dangers posed to the crew were, were put in place by Q. Right. Those are unnatural so, dangers. Q is yeah. unnatural, and the planetary disaster is natural, even though they both but, are occurrences yeah. of within the universe. Inevitable results so, of the Big, yeah, the big Bang. You can make an exception oh, for these... That- things that the Q does and you can say that it's okay for Riker to use the powers in in this instance, Mm then there doesn't really seem to be any particular reason why you should then say, oh you can't use them in any other circumstance. Well, it's like like making the distinction between human human caused catastrophes and natural disasters. Um, Humans are natural. Our, Our catastrophes are actually natural disasters 
because we're you know basically animals, right? Uh huh. Yeah. It seems a little to me like the whole. Uh, I don't know if it's the Christian Science people or like the the people who don't believe in like doctors curing diseases mm-hmm. because. Oh, that's just man trying to play God. You know, that's right. not man's place to decide who lives and dies. When in fact, like every decision that that you know people make is like decisions of these nature. It's oh, right. whether I'm going to bring about some cause or other. You know, there or, there really well, is no cosmic plan that you have to follow. Whether I'm going to have dinner, so I can not starve to death. Yeah, is basically of the same type of decision mm-hmm. as should I, you know, save this person by, by, you know, giving them this anti-venom or should I revive this girl with my, you know, cosmic powers. It's also like the, um, George Carlin joke about, um, natural ingredients. Um, mm-hmm. and the, the, the famous punchline to that is, uh, dog shit is natural. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't mean you want to eat it. That's probably not uh, actually relevant. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Those are like tox- toxic waste is natural, you know. That's that's the uh, yeah, probably well, the more relevant one. There's some stuff where we we sort of we we have this bias towards the natural order being this this separate thing, mm-hmm. which is good, and then intervention being bad, human intervention. Mm. Um, when really what's unnatural about human beings, which, you know, we arose naturally uh, on the planet Earth, whether you believe that was as a result of, you know, evolution or as a result of being made by God, either way, it's natural. Either way, it's natural. It could, there's nothing more or less natural. Nature is complicated. Mm, a little bit. Are we on a um, sort of pseudo-sophisticated stoner rant at this point. Well, this is this is what I seek to this is what I seek to bring to uh, Trek Trudge. I I, I want to have a little rant about some aspect of philosophy or other every every week if no, I can. No, we help should. It. We should. I just I just wish that we all had some uh, some some quality reefer. It would make it, you know, so much so much deeper. Hey, I I studied philosophy. Yeah. I um I used to get I, distinctions, I think. I took one philosophy class at uh the college university and mm-hmm. um it was it was uh it was actually really interesting but I dropped it for some unrelated reason and never picked it up again. <laughs> but I've All I right. mean I've read a lot of philosophy. Also I have a lot of my own personal really deep thoughts that I could share with you guys. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to hear some. So we could just, that right could just now. be what this is about from now on. It's my own yep. deep, deep thoughts, contemplations on the universe. Yeah. Or we could just move on to the scene where Q start or Riker starts giving people yeah. gifts. I think um, immediately before we, we move on though, I just think it would be fun to note that the rocks that are crushing the young girl are very clearly made of foam Mm -hmm. which is just just a bit of fun that is fun Uh, i like so yeah 
she's, foam, she's dead. By the way, foam is another thing. Like styrofoam is supposedly very unnatural, but um, I would argue it's it is as as natural as as anything else. Hey, if it doesn't biodegrade, though. Yeah, no that's good. the that's the uh, <laughs> that's that's the rule for 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 natural. It has to be able to biodegrade. Well, I hear dog shit doesn't biodegrade very well, for whatever hmm. reason. It's art, kind of like already degraded. Is that why? I think maybe it's because there's some stuff in the stuff that they eat that's not all that good as a fertilizing ingredient or something. Right. I don't know. One thing about dog shit, actually, that bothers me a lot mm-hmm. is that people will still on that. put it into <laughs> plastic bags. Yeah. Instead and then of, still leave it around. Yeah. Like, like if you're going to yeah, leave it around, happened. just at least don't wrap it in plastic so it's not going to be there for like the next hundred years. Like, you might as well just let the dog shit anywhere. What is wrong with people? Like, why bother put it, picking it up, putting it in a bag, tying the bag, and then chucking it on the ground somewhere? Like, what is what is wrong with you? Just leave it's it on the ground. Cruelty. Stupid idiot. So I, this is why so anyway, dog, pe- dog people, dead. they really bother me. The kid is yeah, dead, and I just hit his power. Who's for, dead? Thanks for getting us back on track, Gumba. And then we go back to the bridge, and we get to have this this uh, scene, which incorporates another little infamous, uh, uh, like moment in in next generation history. When which I think you know what I'm talking about. When Wesley grows up. Yeah, adult Wesley. Yeah. You know. Oh God. Yeah, child. Have your fondest wish, my friend, to look like a, a weird adult version of yourself. <laughs> it really looks nothing like him. He's got a completely different... He's got like a 10-inch chin. Hey, I mean, they they made an effort. He's got three times the chin. Wesley has a 3.33-inch chin. Wow, Repeating. that's impressive that you've um, measured it to that degree of <laughs> precision. The three well, is if repeating. Well, you want to explain it away, yeah. maybe Riker didn't uh, make him uh, an adult as he would look, but as an adult that Wesley would like to He's look like. like. Wesley, yeah. uh, not only did I make you an adult, I made you a little bit more handsome. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that may have been the implication. Wesley, uh, like, you can bet Wesley didn't want to grow up into what Will Wheaton looks like now. No, that's. I mean, he looks the same. <laughs> just, yeah, just like a a forty year old version of that. Wesley, a little uh, beardier, I'm, maybe a little. I'm gonna rounder. help you. You're gonna get a lot of pussy with this new look. <laughs> is this a, is this a PG thirteen show? I always forget. Uh, well, I, I don't work for the MPAA or the FCC or anyone. Yeah. Mm. All right. So he make he makes Wesley a hunky adult. He provides Worf with a 
a um, hot piece of ass. A hot piece of ass. Uh, Klingon yes. dominatrix. Mm-hmm. So the thing about Worf, and this comes back to the constant problem with Worf's characterization, which is that he's an adopted Klingon raised on mm. Earth, but then Dude, they. Oh, like the Klingon, like identity central to his identity. Sorry, I, I, you, you guys were talking. I couldn't, I couldn't understand either of you. He, he wasn't, he wasn't raised on Earth. He just was from, uh, raised on a human colony. Okay, okay. So, but he was raised by, by humans. Romans. He was not yeah. raised around Klingons, Klingons, right? Yeah, and 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 yet he makes like this this Klingon culture like the the central facet of his identity for some reason. Yeah, even and like actually, no. that's not that's not that's not, that's not so surprising, because he was the only Klingon on his colony. He probably uh, was an outsider and and the star and thus uh, 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 try to uh, compensate by by clinging clinging to his so... Klingon. I, I, I guess what I wanted to get at here, though, is that he seems to immediately fall into the, like, Klingon mating ritual, which is to, like, beat the shit out of each other. But that's, yep. that's sort of not cool if you're not, like, raised in that culture, <laughs> right? So you're saying maybe that the the Russians who raised him might have a bit to answer for in terms of gender relations? Yes, it's like there's nothing. Maybe, I I doubt it's like a bi biological impulse, is it? It might be. Maybe. Or maybe he just just watched a lot of Klingon porn. Yeah, that's actually <laughs> that's actually probably the explanation. They don't really talk about porn very much in Star Trek, but the, it, we know it's there. Oh well, yeah, those holodecks. I just feel like he would have probably learned more from like the kids he went to school with and the people mm -hmm. around yeah. him you know what i mean um like he went to starfleet to discuss a little bit more of that on deep space nine because probably right. they were thinking about it a bit more but at this stage like we're in season one writing like everyone is the most broad version of their character like you know well there is this story that uh during a f uh soccer the match yeah, he Accidentally, yeah, with a headbutt, breaks his neck. What does that have to do with his uh, sexuality? Well, what it relates to is it's kind of an excuse for why he's so humorless. Like all the other Klingons that we meet are all laughing all the time. But oh. never laughs, and that's yeah. less to do with him being a Klingon and more to do with he accidentally killed someone when he was a child, and he, you know, kind of feels repressed hmm. about all of it. That's a DS9 episode. Yeah, so like that—that's all retcon. Like that can't really be said to apply to you know the episodes as written here. Yeah. I so mean, it, it, it's not really a retcon because it—it it, uh, his his history uh, doesn't really come up much. Yeah, but insofar as it explains his motivation, like at this point, you know, we haven't really met many Klingons up close, so we just kind of think, oh, that's how Klingons act. But then we mm -hmm. meet other Klingons later, and that's not how Klingons act. Yeah, they basically um, act like uh, like dwarves in like fantasy fiction, like drinking and yeah, I guess sure. <laughs> Russians? Do they act like Russians? 
Yeah, space Russians. Space Russians. Um, and so I, I have two things to note on the on Worf's wish getting granted. The, the first thing is that um, we, we noted before that Tasha was flirting with the captain. Yeah. Well, she, that's not all the flirting she does in this episode. Like, maybe it's because she had to take over all of Troy's lines, but she flirts with basically everyone in this episode because the, the Klingon lady is jealous of Tasha. She looks over Worf's shoulder and sees this beautiful woman there and immediately starts, like, growling at her, and that's why Worf punches her. Yeah. She was um, feeling jealous of Tasha. But was Tasha flirting just because... I mean, it's just like... Like, was she flirting with Picard? It was more he was flirting with her. It's right. just like she's the, the consistent object of, of flirtation in this I... episode. I know you thought I was being sexist when I was talking about this having to do with her just being a woman, but I, I, th I think it comes back to that again. It's just like, it's, it's a woman. Already. It's Roddenberry. We gotta, there's gotta be some kind of inherent sexual tension because that's all they're for. Uh, and then what was the other thing? Um, oh, yeah, the reason that he doesn't want uh so everyone like turns down their wish i mean like spoiler alert i guess that's skipping ahead um but the reason that Worf turns down his wish is not that oh i i don't want her because she's not real mm -hmm. it's that he doesn't want to have sex anymore <laughs> that's his reason he said i have no place in my life for this anymore this is ah it's a pretty good wharf. Thanks. We should do a um, Star Trek fan fiction teleplay. That would be really good. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> I'll, like a, I'll do it if you like write a, it, James. A, 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 mm. One of those edits your your brother used to make? No, this is original original content. Those are huh. like remixes. This, this, yeah, like, I mean, do... there's only so many jokes that you can make when you have, like, 150 episodes of material that you have to cull all of the dialogue from. Yeah. Yeah, those That's are... still uh, pretty much? A labor of love. Most, mostly, yeah. uh, Jan did the editing on, on those. Yeah, yeah, Jan probably doesn't get enough credit, because he does the real legwork. Yeah, I mean, Andrew wrote a lot of them, but I think, um... I think that's the easy part. No, I mean, I'm not not trying to be offensive here. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I I recall reading an interview with Jan where he talks about this, and or maybe it was an interview with Andrew, or with one of them, um, and they talk about how in the editing process uh, the jokes have to change because they realise oh it actually doesn't work if we do it this way and we actually don't have the footage to do this and this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's so like a. Comes out in in the process. Unnecessary yeah. sort of uh, collaborative element after the fact. I actually have a um, scan of the like storyboard for the very first edit that Andrew came up with. Which, is, which isn't it lost? Um, Don't we only have like the third one or the second one now or something? I. 
I'm not sure. This one never actually got made. Oh, right. Um, let's see if I can find it. My email. I think somewhere. I have seen this storyboard. I can't remember where. Is though. it with um, Jordy LaForge crawling into like a um, Jeffrey's tube? I don't recall. Oh, I'll have to dig through my email to find it. Maybe <laughs> I can, with permission, put a link to that somewhere. Somewhere. Um relevant to this podcast that we're recording right now so that's so probably um, twitter two people's wishes uh, uh so jordy gets his eyes back yeah. not for the not for the last time yeah and do you remember what jordy does with his eyes um does he look at a woman yeah he ogles lieutenant yar and says that Man. she's very beautiful. It's More really... beautiful than like he had imagined. You know what? They're at work. It's not appropriate. <laughs> this is... You know what would happen if I did that at work? I'd be fired. I'd be fired. It's po- right it's, away. It's post, post-feminist. Like, people don't care about that stuff anymore. Post-feminist is supposed to be the, the lessons have been so thoroughly internalized that you wouldn't even yeah. occur to you to be sexually aggressive in a sort of hostage situation. Like, that's what work is, right? A hostage. <laughs> um, Just couldn't think of the yeah, right word. You could put it that way. Is this yeah, another, like, deep thought with Byron? Yes. Like, you're there under duress because they stop, they stop paying you if you don't go, and then you can't afford food. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like a hostage situation. Slavery. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's it's only slavery if they don't pay you. Oh, and right. you're not allowed to leave. Well, they used to give uh, slaves food, didn't they? Yeah. Wait, are you saying that slavery like was them. okay? Yeah. Jeez. It's really, that's a really hot take. It's pretty hot. <laughs> it's really true, hot. True racism. Is the, the truest racism, racism. Uh, uh, Gumba, you and have anything to add here? Not really. I'm I'm mesmerized. Okay. We must have one more. Who's the? I think he does. He just make Tasha's breasts like three times larger. Oh yeah, he didn't even give Tasha a wish. She doesn't don't count have wishes. A female woman. Yeah. And same with Doctor Crusher. They don't, they don't, they, what, they already have careers, like, that's a miracle. They sh- it should have been like, um, Bruce Almighty, where he, like, made their boobs bigger, and then mm-hmm. made them want to have sex with him. Well, I assume that, that sounds, happens. That sounds in pretty that in character for Riker, although he's acting sort of out of character at this point in the episode. Does he give Picard um, a full head of beautiful, lustrous hair? <laughs> oh, that must, they must have, like, deleted that scene. Oh, you, you, knew, you knew me too well, number one. It's my, my deepest wish. <laughs> oh, you, I know. Um, it was uh, Data. He, grant, he tries to grant Data's wish. To be a human. 
Yeah, presumably just turning him into a pink Brent Spiner. Yeah. Which I think Brent Spiner would have loved. Mm-hmm. Don't have to, you know, come in at 4 a.m. every morning to get all this grey nonsense on you. Yep. Um, but of course, Data turns it down because he, he says... It, oh, it, it would. While it would be real to Q and real to you, it would never be real to me. Yeah. Bullshit. It would be real. <laughs> if you've got the bits, then you're a human, and it's real. Come yeah. on. I would turn it down because it's like a a death sentence. Like. Well, yeah, like. You're, you're like, shortening his life by like a thousand years. Got the edge on us. I mean, Data Data could be immortal. A a desire to be mortal in, like, later seasons. Yeah. But that's dumb. Yeah, it is dumb. What what the fuck's wrong with this fucking robot? It's like, it's it's basically being suicidal. It's like, I want to die at some point on your arbitrary biological timescale. I think it's probably more uh, Heideggerian. Okay, you're gonna, uh, what 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 do you got? Well, you know how Heidegger described humans? No. Uh, he described us as beings toward death. So, like, uh, uh, I, I understand that that means that, like, every thought that we have is, uh, you know, produced in the, the environment of our knowledge that we are going to die. Mm-hmm. So it, 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 it is the very essence of being human that we are beings toward death. Yeah. But isn't that sort of like just an inevitability of, of sort of look the guy was a fascist situation. so you don't have to you don't I mean, have like, to take anything he says too seriously i guess like i feel like he was i mean they say that about him i feel like we just don't yeah. have any choice you know it's just a byproduct of of just the, the facts of the matter well i for my part wouldn't mind not being a homo what who, who would you rather be i would I wouldn't mind not being a human. Oh, human. Well, yeah. A dragon. He wants to be a dragon. That'd be cool. Oh, dragons, are, dragons are immortal. But Nothing's dragons, immortal. Like, they have claws and stuff, but they probably couldn't like type on keyboards. I feel that would be inconvenient. <laughs> I can't most of the time either. Maybe oh, they could... Right. Uh, do they have like really agile tongues they could type with? Oh, this is getting pretty, ooh, pretty erotic right now. <laughs> well, only only if you read into it that way. It's like there's what could be erotic about an agile tongue. You know, now that I think about it, I don't know. Um, does this incorporate into your um your Wesley fantasy at all? That he has an agile tongue. Yeah, or something. Hmm. Uh, I'm gonna say no. Okay, that's fine. Uh, okay, so did we get all the gifts? Check my notes. Yeah, that's all the gifts. Uh, right. Yeah, we're we're um we're wrapping up the episode now. I think um, Data slips in one more eighth grade Shakespeare quote. Yeah. To thine own self be true. They're just—they're so obsessed with classic literature. That's classic circa 1987. It's like <laughs> Data has like a repository of all 
literature from like all civilizations of all time and he just keeps landing on Shakespeare um like Mark Twain Mark Twain uh, uh, Sherlock Sherlock Holmes Sherlock Holmes who, who else is in the canon uh ooh, Mozart Oh yeah is that what he plays with his violin Probably Yeah it's like very like bourgeois this is the parts of the canon that i quote if i want to seem like i'm cultured and it's like where's the uh like chinese philosophy where's the uh the the middle eastern philosophy it's all europeans come on guys um although i will say we uh we skipped over this part of my notes uh, earlier, when they're when they first go down to the planet, and um, Q is like, you know, like messing around with them, um, he gets probably the the more obscure reference of the episode, which is to the philosopher David Hartley. Mm-hmm. Uh, he quotes him as saying, "Nothing reveals humanity so well as the games it plays," mm-hmm. which. I searched that quote, and it seems to only exist on the internet in reference to Star Trek, so I'm hmm. not sure if it's an authentic quotation. But What is the uh, uh, quote again? It was a real guy. What was what? What's the quote? Nothing reveals humanity so well as the games it plays. Humanity so well as the games it plays. So Hartley was, I think, an 18th century, maybe 17th century English philosopher, and he was the founder of associationist psychology, which Mm. I don't know much about beyond the beginning of the Wikipedia article, which I read when I was writing these notes. And uh, apparently the gist of it is that it believes that mental processes are uh, based on... Uh, associations with the with with prior mental states, I think. Mm-hmm. So every idea re- relates to the previous idea, I guess. Uh, I I don't think I'm doing that justice. I think that's probably true. I don't I don't necessarily see how it's like you could build an entire um, yeah philosophy out of it. Well, Pavlov uh, is one of the later associationists mm-hmm. that you could, and you can kind of see what we know Pavlov for, how that relates. So the Pavlov's dogs. Yeah. We know this. So like the bell rings and they associate that with the food. So, so they start drooling, even though there's nothing inherently in the bell that indicates food. Mm-hmm. Well, it's sort of like, it's so. basically like saying no, no mental state arrives independent of some context. stimulus yeah, or context. Yeah. And the stimulus could be an external stimulus or a memory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But those memories are of events likely also caused by external stimulus stimuli 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 indeed so we got to the bottom of it we solved that one that's done Mm -hmm. um so 
Riker decides what? Oh, well, you were right, Picard. Everyone refused my gift. I was such a fool. And uh, then uh, Q gets, like, sucked back into the ether by the by the angry continuum, which I think mm-hmm. is pretty funny. It, it's kind of a, it, like, it's established in later episodes that Q is capable of manipulating people's wills, and he can just, you know, get them to believe whatever he wants them to believe just by, you know, snapping his fingers and then mm-hmm. their, their brain is different. Um, I guess he couldn't do that in this instance because of, like, the very thing that Data was complaining about. Like, it's not real. Like, the Continuum wants humanity to really be convinced to, to like, to join the Continuum and kind of become a part of all that. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, the, the same objections that I was raising previously, like, it is real if he just gets them to do it. Like, you know... I mean, I, I guess I'm a bit more of a consequentialist than, than Star Trek likes, but... So, what is the argument for maybe Riker taking the gift, but not necessarily becoming uh, a jerk? Like, couldn't he become a Q, but stay in Starfleet, and then, like, help the yeah. galaxy? So, the 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 um, philosophical precedent that I would raise here, which I would have raised, but I thought we wouldn't have enough time, and we probably don't have enough time, but I'm doing it anyway, is the, the story of the Ring of Gyges, mm-hmm. where you get a ring that makes you invisible to God, basically, and you can do whatever you like without moral repercussions, and would you then become an asshole because of this? And I think the argument... Uh, is classically presented as yes, you will inevitably become an asshole. Yeah. If you like, never face any sort of culpability for your actions. And that seems to be what they're implying heavily in this episode as well. Yeah. In so Just much as that he becomes an asshole after, compressed time after frame. five minutes. Yeah. But also, what what is the ultimate goal in uh, in spacefaring civilization? Is it for everybody to be immortal? Um, maybe. Heidegger probably wouldn't like that, but who asked him? I mean, like, they continue the exploration, they keep kind of continue seeding the galaxy with with uh, these uh, principles or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. What is the what is the end game for uh, like the Federation on on record, for example? Do they want to end suffering? I don't think so. Because the prime directive tells them not to intervene. Yeah. So what is the goal? Maybe it's uh, kind of like uh, communist Russia. They just kind of think it'll all, like you know, the dictatorship of the proletariat will eventually work things out. Like oh, goal. we're just in a transitional stage right now. It seems like everything trends towards something like the Q continuum or the Borg. Yikes. On on a lo- the longest time scale of interplanetary civilization and life in general, mm-hmm. is that is that is that a uh, a fair representation? I mean, it seems like a false dichotomy, but I can't think of. Uh, I'm not. No, I don't intend it to be a, a dichotomy. I I I think that they're essentially the same thing. Or maybe the Borg is an early 
iteration of what the Q Continuum eventually became becomes. Because this is kind of collective. Well, the collect. I guess the collective component is kind of unique to the board, but. Yeah, I mean, they they kind of pursue that with the continuum in that they kind of use pronouns weird and they call themselves we sometimes, but it's kind of very inconsistently used between writers, which I think is not all that clever of them. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, obviously they're they're portrayed as as having individuals. I guess it's hard for me to, and I'm sure this has been discussed by uh, smarter people than me. But um, <laughs> like, what, like, what is the ultimate end game for, like, Starfleet? Like, implicit to, like, modern Western civilization, there seems to be this sort of end game mm. of kind of do the most good for most the most people possible. I think. In uh, Western civilization, wasn't the end game the end of history? Um, so you basically just find the perfect solution of of liberal democracy, and you just kind of continue living that out. Yes, ostensibly, and that's what we have now, right? Uh, didn't didn't um, what's the guy's name? Fukuyama. F F Fukuyama, yeah. Um, didn't he say that the end of history isn't true anymore because of Trump? I th did he? I mean, I don't think it was true God. anymore anyway. Is there Every a fucking Godwin's law for Trump now that any goddamn discussion always has to lead back to that man eventually? I think so. Uh... I mean, I, 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 I think what, what Trump shows is that we're... we're where we have this concept of the sort of linear progress towards whatever this sort of high-minded, optimistic goal for humanity is, is, mm -hmm. is, is just a false notion. It's like there's no, there's no pro progressive arc. It's just it's random stuff. It's all random stuff. Random stuff. Yeah. Some's right. good. Some's bad. Trump's good. It's gonna. He's gonna make America great again. End of yep, story. Drain the swamp. All right, let's drain the swamp on this podcast and say it's over. It's done. Um, just one last thing yes. before we go. I, I love how they wrap up the episode in this one. I can't recall specifically if it's a recurring mechanism that they use, but it just seems like so classically TV. Mm -hmm. um, they use Data and his childlike naivete to... Uh, you know, ask a, a little a little poignant question at the end. So you know, he, sir, how is it that uh, the the Q can understand time and space so well, but humans so poorly? <laughs> so literally, you know, how is it that I can use my my childlike naivete as a narrative conduit to provide the the moral of this episode conveniently right before the credits roll? Yeah, it's a little frustrating and, uh, too because. The way they write the Q is that they're sort of omnipotent, but the but then they have these failings, but they only have the failings because they gave them to them. Like it's sort of like yeah. the way we write um, artificial intelligence. Like 
like data like it's well mm-hmm. it's smart but it has these limitations that we don't have like it doesn't have emotion but at, at the end of the day like like true artificial intelligence that if it were like you know sufficiently advanced would mm-hmm. get all this would, stuff yeah. and it would, would get it a lot better job. than us and it wouldn't be a limitation um and like i think the same could be said of the queue like they would they they would get it they would understand all of this stuff mm. they they know I mean, what humans kind of are like, about um, they're kind of like great gods aren't they yeah they're like omnipotent beings that are larger than life but they still play out like petty human sort of level concerns yeah uh, <clears> maybe <throat> that's maybe that's fine maybe that's just interesting writing and maybe that's the true moral of the story yeah maybe perhaps cool so that's the end of the episode right yeah that's Wrecker it. rejects the powers Q gets sucked back into the kitchen continue cube tomb boom mm-hmm. and that's it that's the end of it we but, never saw Q again um but Picard did get to keep his hair beautiful new hair no that's, he, that's he had to give that thing. back sadly that's the one thing number n- number one. Uh, uh, <laughs> could we just leave the leave the hair, please? Could, could, yeah, I, we. I, I, I love it. I love it so much. You 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 don't need to save the girl, but just keep the hair. But sir, it, is it not unnatural? Shut up! <laughs> Shut up, Daddy. <laughs> okay, uh, Gamba. Any other final closing 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 thoughts? Uh-huh. Was that? Was that the words that you just said, or was no. that just utter it's It didn't didn't work out. Didn't come out correctly. Well, Gumba, do you have any additional nonsense to add to that nonsense? No, not really. Sorry. I think I think Byron and you have covered all the ground that was to cover. You're right. Oh, we did oh, it. Good. Okay. Um. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in. Um, this has been a fun one. Uh, we're like an hour and a half in, so uh, Shit. that's uh, we we probably didn't lose any listeners though. Like everybody probably stuck it out any. to this point. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just kept um, it at, a, at an equilibrium. Yeah. So, what's the next episode? They all go back to to um, Revolutionary War era America. No, um, they next episode is that will be the one with Mark Twain in it. Even. Mark Twain? No, I was yeah. just making that yes. up. Um, the next no, one no, no. is they actually uh, well uh, well they actually go back in time. They do, yes. That's a little bit after the American Revolution, though. Oh. There's no, like, easy way to just skip forward to the next episode on Memory Alpha. The next episode is Haven, and it's about Councillor Troy's arranged marriage. Ooh. That sounds juicy. Mm Mm-hmm. Sounds like we're going to have some more feminist topics to discuss Mm. in that one. Maybe we should With try to get a woman 
on that on that podcast right. of some of some stripe, some type of woman. Okay. I don't know any women. That's not that's not true. We've had women that you know on this actual podcast. Have we? Yes, I think. Oh, okay. Bucky. Oh yeah, Caitlin? I do know her. I yeah, I know both of them. We can get them, get them back. All right. Okay, guys. Thanks for thanks for tuning in, guys. Thanks for for co-hosting with me, and um, we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.